Hello and welcome to the 16th episode of the CCGI podcast. Last week we interviewed Dr. Scott Haldeman, discussed his involvement with World Spine Care and the Global Spine Care Initiative. This week we have the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Katherine Pullman, a clinical researcher at Parker University in Dallas, Texas. Before we interview Katie, Kent and I would like to discuss the recent release of the CCGI low back pain exercise and yoga videos. So we have some interesting news to discuss today. The CCGI has recently released a series of exercise videos for low back pain. There are over a dozen exercise videos for patients with low back pain in French and English posted on the CCGI YouTube channel. Most of the exercises were selected from the studies included in the soon-to-be-published Low Back Pain Clinical Practice Guideline from the CCGI. The remaining exercises were included after deliberation from our expert panel. Numerous guidelines also support yoga as a non-pharmacological intervention for low back pain. And that's why we've also published yoga videos with our PEI opinion leader, Dr. David Witte. These videos are an introduction to a few poses and a great way to get patients thinking about yoga as a strategy to help manage their low back pain. Now one of the most important questions to ask is how do I use these videos in practice? There are actually several ways to use the exercise videos with your patients. You can download the patient exercise form, print it and fill it out for your patients. You can fill it out electronically and you can also send your patients a playlist of exercises from the CCGI YouTube channel. And lastly, this is one of my favorites, you can embed the, the CCGI YouTube videos onto your website. This is a great way to add value to your website, your patients, and best of all, it doesn't cost you anything. So let's move on to our next part of the show where we get to introduce today's guest. Dr. Katie Pullman is a clinical research scientist at Parker University in Dallas, Texas, and also a PhD candidate at the University of Alberta with an anticipated graduation date of summer 2018. Her research interests are in the development of a transparent and just patient safety culture for providers who deliver spinal manipulative therapy, as well as the safe and effective delivery of manual therapy for the pediatric, pregnant, and postpartum populations. Dr. Pullman started her scientific career as a project manager at the Palmer Center for Chiropractic Research, where she was a team member for several, several federally funded research projects. She then became a member of the Complementary and Alternative Medi Medicine Research and Education Program at the University of Alberta, or CARE, and is now at Parker University. In addition to her degrees, she also has certification in chiropractic pediatrics and had a certification as a clinical research associate. Katie, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Kent. It's great to have you on the show, and, and we'd like to get started and ask you a few questions. Perfect. Um, your, your, your PhD thesis resolve, revolves around improving the assessment of safety in pediatric chiropractic manual therapy. What can you tell us about the safety of pediatric treatment? Well, that is exactly why I dove into um, a PhD in this topic, is that not a lot was known about it um, or on the safety of it. So it was being done but we didn't have any data on the safety of it. And of course the assumption is that it's safe, but until we have the data, um, we don't wanna be assuming things like that. Uh, and when I went through my pediatric training, there was a lot of information on the clinical effectiveness. And then when I drove into the data, I did realize that there's not a lot of data there to support that as well. But when I looked at the two topics, safety or clinical effectiveness, I thought it'd be better to start with the safety and move into hopefully clinical effectiveness in the future. And so since I've, I've been doing this for about seven years now and diving into this topic, and I started with just a basic cross-sectional survey of the patient safety culture of 
chiropractors that also have a diplomate in or are specialized in in the pediatric population and we compared those results to the um, AHRQ so the American Healthcare um, Research and Quality Surveys they did it among medical offices and compared to them the pediatric chiropractors have a very robust patient safety culture where um, it's, it is not to be assumed that if you have patient safety attitudes and opinions that you also have um, safety performance. And so that's my next step is measuring safety performance. I do have that data collected. So from almost 4,000 patient visits that um, I'm writing up at this moment, that will hopefully measure our safety performance and get that data out there. Um, so that's where we are at with the safety of pediatric treatment for the chiropractic profession. Well, it's not a it's not an easy question to answer. That, you know, no. <laughs> the more you dig and try to find an accurate answer, I mean, the, the I'm sure the more more work that it uh, unwraps for you. Uh, absolutely. One of my initial but, thoughts was, I mean, the, the pediatric pediatric population is a very very heterogeneous population. So so there's a big range in age. I mean, in my interpretation, zero to eighteen, and so how does the the assessment of safety differ for the each end of the spectrum? If you have, you know, a, a two year old or a sixteen year old, how does that differ? Yeah, and and that that's part of it, right? The more you know, the more you know you don't know, and the more studies you need to design. And so this initial um, prospective evaluation from the four thousand visits only occurred from those thirteen years and younger, which that itself is very heterogeneous, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, but we but we kept them um, to the forms to be completed by the parents was was where that does decision laid off. And I did, um, our data came out to be about 25%, um, zero age, 38% were in the one to five, and then the remaining, um, the, the five to 13 years of age. And so it's just going to be doing secondary data analysis to design the next question to design the next study. Um, and, but you have to start somewhere, um, but they are very different and they are different questions. Definitely. And, and do you have, is it patient reported or a parent reported as well as, cl- as clinician reported? Or what, how is that working? Correct. Correct. So we're getting both um, information from the parents as well as from the clinicians. Um, and I can tell you they're very different, which was a surprise <laughs> to me. Oh, that's fascinating. That's a whole different project in of its own. It is. It is. I have a lifetime of work. <laughs> uh, Perfect. One other thing I wanted to know is, is is what are the challenges with reporting adverse events? I'd imagine that there's an underreporting of adverse events in most most healthcare disciplines, not just chiropractic. Um, and but how do you account for this in your research? You know, and it goes very back to what is an adverse event. Yeah. So that defi- the definition of that itself. Um, and so when, when I first started into this topic, um, adverse event just has this negative connotation to it, right? Mm-hmm. But it really, throughout all of healthcare, it just means something that was unanticipated after a medical intervention. It doesn't, and um, there's no causal association with that. But because we say adverse, we we bad and um, we take it and especially in the chiropractic profession when we're doing it with our hands we can't blame it on a drug um, we, we, we take things like that very personally so that itself has been a big um, learning and how to educate on what an adverse event is and why it's important that we look at it uh, the, one of the things I always say 
if something happens in your office or with your patients, it's likely to happen someplace else. So if we can talk about it and learn about it, we might be able to avoid those things in the future. But it's um, but it's about knowing and understanding and collecting the data. So that I think right there is the biggest challenge is uh, is the education of what adverse events is, the importance of why it is to measure it, and then the of course there's the under important the under reporting the time. Everybody is busy, right? So mm-hmm. to try to even 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 parents um, that. Uh, that I'm asking them to collect the data um, from the parents, the clinicians. So that's the time that it takes, because even if something doesn't happen, we want to know that as well um, so that we can get the right denominator in um, when we're working with rates. Uh, And yeah, those are the big ones, time, operational definitions, but definitely more, definitely a challenging but necessary topic. So kind of changing gears a little bit, like when we look at your, your areas of expertise, you know, pediatrics and pregnancy, you've, you've chosen a couple of different and difficult populations to study. You and I have worked together when in, and we are working together in, some, uh, in pregnancy. What have you found challenging about studying the pregnant population? Well, one, I had a good mentor who, from the beginning, tell me about... Um, uh, studying complex things, right? There's times where you just look at it, you know, you look at the heterogeneity between in pediatrics, you look at the complexity of pregnancy and there's times you want to throw your hands up in the air, right? Like this is impossible, but instead of, you know, when, when things are complex, we just need to be more deliberate and, um, and, and, and focused on it. And so that's what I've tried to do. I think there are important populations that the chiropractic profession can make a big difference in, um, but, we, but we certainly need the studies and the information out there. Um, and so, again, it's why I chose safety, because I think when people hear chiropractic care within pregnancy and in children, um, there's a scare factor to that, which which is, is just, yeah, I don't even know where it stems from exactly, right? But um, that's why I, f- I think if we have the safety data out there, if we have not just safety data, but safety measures in place, um, we have incidental reporting systems that um, essentially building the public's trust, I think that will allow us to better investigate the best type of care that we can provide for the, the, the populations. Yeah, it's 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 always interesting. Sometimes the perceptions that people have about safety. Um, uh, yeah. One of the reasons I, I got into into the pregnancy into pregnancy research is I had a I had a patient who came to me, um, pregnant, and I'd seen her early on in her pregnancy, and then she sort of disappeared, and then she came back, and I was like, oh, where were you? And she'd gone to physio, and her physio had been dead set against her having manipulation. He said it was a massive contraindication. Um, and to which I replied when the patient came back, well, first of all, why are you back here then? Hmm. And second, like, where did the, where did the physio get that information? Yeah. And I searched high and low and I couldn't find anywhere that I, it was listed as an absolute contraindication. So again, it kind of got, you know, sometimes those clinical, clinical questions lead to, uh, you know, lead to areas of investigation. It's why I love working with clinical folks. It's it's I, I've always wanted to practice and never have, but you guys come up with fantastic questions, and I always have a clinician on on my team somewhere or another. But that that is where the, the 
the question, the good questions come from, right? Right from our patients. Well, the kind of answers that will come from the work you do is something that will directly impact practice and how we speak with our patients, how we communicate with them. Uh, so that's right there is, is, is a tremendous value for someone like myself as a clinician treating pregnant patients. Appreciate that. Yep. Work together, make sure it's impacting the people that need it the most. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I also hear that, that you're, you're working on a pregnancy best practices document. Uh, can you tell us a bit about that and maybe how it's any different from a, a full clinical practice guideline? Yeah, absolutely. And so this is something that I'm working on with Kent as well. Uh, and uh, it, it stems from... Um, Kent has done stuff on the safety of pediatric care. And now what's the most effective? What's the best way that we can care for the population? What do we know right now? Um, and we, we're aware that the that the literature isn't as far advanced as we'd like it to be. So to be able to do a clinical practice guidelines, but best practices are, is the second best. And so gathering all the data together is where we're at right now with that. And then hopefully stemming that into a Delphi with, with experts, um, expert clinicians, experts, um, scientists that have done work in this field um, to come up with the guidelines, red flags, things to pay attention to. So that one, when we're in practice, we can be applying those. And so that's, um, that's, a, that's been an excellent project that I've got to work with. Um, we, we call it the Texas-Canada um, combination because there's two scientists here in Texas and a couple up in, up in Canada um, working on those together. Yeah, uh, Caroline Weiss has been has been really leading this project, and and she's just a force of nature. She's uh, she's really been dragging us along, huh, Katie. <laughs> she's absolutely amazing. I'm like, how did you do that? <laughs> yes, yes, it's been fun, uh, and seeing it all come together, we're close. And and have you been have you been looking at um, manipulation alone, or or other interventions as well? Thank you for that. We're looking at. All, um, all interventions that are trained at a chiropractic school. Mm. And, and so that, that, that is a range of um, interventions. And we've had discussions on what's, what's being taught there. But if it's in a common chiropractic curriculum, we're including those interventions. And so we do have exercise um, included in them, as well as HVLAs, LVVAs, um, therapies. Yeah. Now, Katie, one of the things that we didn't uh, we didn't discuss in your bio is that you're actually one of the uh, the Carl Fellows, um, and I'm not sure how many of our listeners have heard of Carl. What can you tell us tell us about the Carl program and the and the fellowship? This is a program I'm quite honored to be a part of. Um, it Carl stands for the Chiropractic Academy for Research and Leadership, and it was started by three great chiropractors two great chiropractic mentors and then another professor, John Adams, who has, who, who went through a similar program. And uh, so the mentors are Greg um, Kalchuk and then Neon Hartsbingsing. And what they saw in our profession, thankfully they're, they're able to, to look back and um, know that we're not building the, the young scientists. Um, we're not giving them enough mentorship so that they can lead um, and lead with a, with an impact um, into the future. And so they put together this program. And again, Professor John Adams is, is an MD, and he went through this program through Oxford, and he said it changed his career. Um, and, and with that, 
he, he then went on to be a CAM scientist, a scientist complementary alternative medicine. And he started seeing, well, these guys don't have anything like that. And if it changed my career, it could change theirs. So he opened one up in integrative medicine and naturopaths. And then we're the third program in, in chiropractic that he started. But the focus is to gather the young um, investigators together, um, get them to know each other, get them to work on projects um, and, and give them leadership opportunities and mentor them along the way. And so last April, we went, um, the 13 of us that had applied and got accepted met in Denmark um, and were shoved in a, in a, um, a room together for a week and came up with, um, and we all came out still liking each other. So that was a bonus and, um, and, and have been really trying to find folks on, uh, trying to find projects that we can work on together. And so just in the one year that we've worked together, I think I've been on three different projects that uh, just different types of analysis, different types of interpretation. So just what I have learned in the one year that I wouldn't have been exposed to. And then when you have an issue, whether it's, you know, uh, whether it's coming from how do I handle this authorship problem to um, to you know, a scientific question, there's a group that we can go to and um, reach out to, and it's around the world. So if we need help in a different country or um, want an international take, we have it. And so that's Carl in a nutshell. Uh, we're going to be meeting again in Edmonton at the end of April, and we'll be joining the CCA on their research day. And so we're excited to be presenting there as well. Yeah, actually, uh, most of the Carl Fellows are going to be presenting. Uh, we've, one of our little sessions is a researcher speed speed rounds, which was actually one of Dr. Kotchuk's ideas. So everybody gets three slides, and they have to present it in three minutes. So we're looking forward to seeing some of some of the auctioneer skills in the in the crowd. <laughs> Exactly. And I, I I know I owe you those three slides. Keep <laughs> hounding me. <laughs> you know it. That, that really helps. I mean, we really want to thank you for your time, Katie, and, and spending it with us. Uh, we're really happy to have you with us today. Uh, for the listeners, this is that time of the show when we will ask you for a favor. We'd like you to visit the CCGI Facebook page and website and download a couple of, uh, of Dr. Pullman's publications that we put up. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely be feeding those into the Facebook group to make sure you have access to just some of, of her work and uh, you can have a look for yourself. How's that for knowledge translation, Katie? <laughs> I love that. Okay. Well, thanks Thanks again for joining us, Katie, and thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. Uh, we look forward to bringing our next guest in a couple of weeks. Bye for Thank now. You. Thank you.